Welcome, welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages to a very special episode 167 of A Play on Nerds. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. And what a special episode we have, Steve. What is it? That's right. In honor of Shazam 2 coming out, we're going to talk about another inspiring story about a young man coming into superpowers Mm -hmm. and learning what it means to be a responsible superhero. And that's the Disney classic Sky High. If I do say so, this is quite the great connection. These two connect very well. (laughs) They really do. Uh, But more on that later. Mm -hmm. Jarman, what have you been up to since last time we talked? Well, I think we'll share one of these. We can get that out of the way first. Uh, Both saw Quantumania since we last talked. Yeah. So I guess we'll stay away from spoilers. But but what did you think? Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun romp. And it definitely... Uh, it's very important towards the future story of uh, MCU going forward from here, the next phase. Uh, there's been some complaints from people on the Internet that a lot of the projects in the last few years haven't really connected very well or showed us where it was going or seemed like they were all disconnected. And this is really bringing it together and showing you that these things are all going to come together in some way, somehow. Um, I love Jonathan Majors as Kang. He was pretty darn cool. How different he was from his character in Loki was pretty amazing. Um, showing that he has a lot of range because he doesn't have to play probably many versions of himself. That's not a spoiler because I was in Loki as well. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I, what about you? What did you think of it? Um, so I think the issues I had is that it it skewed a little too silly sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the that since... Thor Ragnarok, they've been trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle, and I think they need to stop. I've, I've heard that kind of complaint online, too. I kind of somewhat agree, yeah. There are moments where there should have been deep, nice, meaningful connections between the characters that were instead turned into jokes, and because of that, it didn't feel like emotionally anyone advanced, and those emotional anchors are what has always made the Marvel franchises more than just superhero popcorn films. Especially starting with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, I'll give them credit for that, because both the the first Iron Man and the the first um, Captain America, you see these characters feel very deeply. You see Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man brought to tears occasionally because of things that were happening and real stakes. And it's I think it's a little hard because Paul Rudd is never really forayed into any kind of dramatic acting, um, and that kind of shows in this film. I think. Because even when it's a serious scene, I, I just remember him being goofy all the time, and he just doesn't really, I don't take it seriously. Right. And there was, and, and you know, and this is, I don't think, spoilery, um, there's supposed to be a lot of tension between him and his daughter Cassie, him being the absent father by literally being blipped away and then coming back but not really coming back. And there's supposed to be all this tension that should have been the driving emotional force of the film, and most of it was turned into jokes yeah, and banter. And because of that, I think the movie lost its sort of center. Um, so I hope they get, I hope they figure out how to get that tone back. 
Um, but you're right. Jonathan Majors, I will say Kang was so much more of a subtle character than I was imagining. Very subtle. Quiet, direct, understanding, and like almost empathetic at times. I am so excited to have this kind of villain. I think they're going to play in the Marvel universe. They're going to play even more with the fact, I think, that maybe whatever he's his plan was, was actually not based off of bad things. Like he might have had a good idea, kind of like with Thanos, but Thanos was just kind of big, big villain, you know, whereas this character, maybe he has the right idea where he wants to, you know, in Loki, they talk about this too, pruning all the universes to make one. That's kind of like the his no matter what his variant is, they kind of want to do that. And maybe that is the right idea. So I think they're going to play with that in the future of him being a sympathetic villain even more. But he's really good at playing subtle and kind of weird and interesting. And my favorite um, scene probably without giving much away, because it's actually in yeah. the trailer is he's in the prison where he's imprisoned. Um, Scott Lang and his daughter are in these little prison cells and they play this dark music while he's talking and monologuing. And I'm like, Oh, this is pre- he's pretty ominous. And I'm like, I like it. <laughs> so that's right. Cool. And like in that whole scene that you're talking about, he doesn't raise his voice once. Mm-mm. Keeps everything very quiet and very intense. direct and intense. Yeah. And, that's something that I feel like is really missing from a lot of acting right now is that so many actors, and this happens in stage and theater too, so many actors equate intense with like raising their voice. Oh, yeah. We talked about that in the Sappy Crap Pot a couple times. Yeah. Uh, or the act, or the other end, which is the actor's whisper, yeah. which I hate. I fucking hate the actor's whisper because never once in my life have I gotten so passionate about something that I started talking like this. <laughs> about that thing never one fucking time have i ever done that i hate it i hate the actor's whisper talk like a human yeah the fact that he wasn't yelling it wasn't because of like an actor's whisper situation it was more of he's exhausted and he's also exhausted with doing the same thing over and over again kind of thing he's just done with it so it's kind of like um i feel that a lot it was cool so yeah quantum mania meh Kang, great. Yes. And you kind of have to watch it if you're an MCU fan because it's going to tie into a lot. It really is. Um, um, yeah. Other than that, I so had my, uh, kind of, my birthday. Yeah, happy, happy birthday. Yeah. and uh, 23 again? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm 37. And uh, 37. Oh, God, that means I'm turning 37. Exactly. <laughs> it sucks. We're almost 40. Um, but then, uh, yeah, for my, I had a great birthday month because Jolie helped me had a fun time. We went to the Ren Fair one weekend, which was really fun. Um, and I go to I try to go every year. We do a pub crawl. They give you like a new mug each time with a different color. And it's like a big, you know, drinking mug. And you go around each one of the bars in the Ren Fair. It's real big. It's the Tampa Bay Renaissance Festival. It's one of the biggest ones in Florida. And uh, seeing some perf- crazy acrobat performances. And I bought a a pipe at the, at the, uh, the rent fair. And, um, Ooh. it's really like on a long pipe, like I'm a wizard, like a something. hobbit pipe, yeah, like more like a hobbit pipe, not a full wizard pipe, but like a hobbit long pipe. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just a good time. And then, uh, stayed at a place called Cabana Bay, which is a, a hotel that's at universal. Um, it's, it's all, it's almost like fallout the game where it's like 1950s, um, bunker, kind of thing because they're playing all 50s movies and everything it's designed like it's in the 1950s it was really kind of cool and you know stayed by the lazy river and read a book for a while it was just it was a wonderful time so yeah oh, good yeah. good birthday and everything. That sounds lovely what about you 
We went to Disneyland. Mm. Uh, drove down on a Monday. We were in the park Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we drove back on Thursday. Had a real good time. Dilly did well for his first time. Um, and how old got, Dilly now? I, Dilly is two and a half. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and I got to ride Rise of the Resistance, which nice. is very exciting. Uh, we all got to ride the new ride, which has been in Orlando for a while, but here it's still it's still in previews technically. Uh, Mickey's Runaway Railway. Oh yeah, something I've heard like about that. It, but I've been on it myself. Um, really cool, kind of the new age of dark rides. Um, short throw projection and almost like you're in a cartoon, which is really, really, was really enchanting and really good. Nice. Um, but but we got some good pictures with the kids. They got to meet Mickey and Minnie and Pluto and <laughs> and uh, and everyone had a real good time. That's surprising. And then on the way back, we drove and we had we got snow just outside of L.A. (laughs) Just so weird. So weird. (laughs) Climate change isn't real, though. It's not. But there's (laughs) definitely snow outside of L.A. Please listen. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, I'm too tired to not be. (laughs) Don't take that out of context, listeners. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we made it back in one piece and then back to work. And that just goes to show, folks, that it is possible to have a. A trip with two children go okay. Not, not everything go wrong. We had almost no fits. I think we had one little bout of tears. Oh. It's because the first night we were there, we were going to go on It's a Small World. I mean, an hour left before closing. And a cast member comes up and goes, have you guys been on the new Mickey ride? And we said, no, because the virtual queue. And she goes, they've completed the virtual queue for a day. They're taking walk-ins right now with no wait. Mm-hmm. So we run our ass over. We get there. We get in line. And then after we get in line, we realize no one's coming in behind us. And about two minutes later, they make an announcement like, hey, folks, the ride's broken down. Continue to wait. We're going to try to get it back up. Oh, no. So we waited for maybe 10 minutes. And then I finally said, you know what? We can sit here the rest of the night or we can go do four or five more rides. Yeah. Um, and, and Joyce was very disappointed. Oh. <laughs> that was like our one thing of tears the entire trip. Not too bad. Could but then we got to go on it the next day. There you go. <laughs> It was a good choice, though, walking away and not waiting there the whole time. Right. I was like, well, we can go ride like four things. Let's go ride four things. It'll be fun. Come on. Let's do it. <laughs> well, that brings us to some nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. All right. So for my little weird tantalizing tagline name for this story, it's Oi Vey or Organoid Intelligence, or OI, as they're calling it. So I heard many years ago about the possibility of this being a thing in the future, where basically instead of using chips and things to constantly upgrade our processing power, eventually it would become organic. So because our brains actually work millions of times faster than even the best chips we have in the market right now, despite people being pretty stupid on average. (laughs) But (laughs) that's just the way it is, folks. Um, But this... Basically, a group of um, researchers at John Hopkins University, they have developed organoid intelligence. And it's basically, since we can 3D print parts of organs and parts of different um, parts of the human body, they're making these little mini brains that kind of replicate a little part of what a brain would be like in a human, but it's with organic material. And they're basically developing it to be intelligence in a dish, 
um, where basically it can be computing with these little, um, you know, organoid intelligences. And it's just a long way off from, for making it small enough and, um, usable enough to put in things like phones. It'll be a long way off for that, but they're using it to do small tasks right now. Um, they had one, I think learning to play pong, um, things like that, but it's developing and it has a huge amount of possibility. And it's something I thought was interesting because shows like star Trek, we don't think about it, but probably because of this even being a possibility and now in, in development and the, the press release was and implies that a person writing about the press release saying that this is, it probably is farther along than they're saying because generally when they they phrase things the way they did in the press release, it's been studied for a long time now, but they're only now just releasing some of the information about it. Um, in the future, we could actually be having computers that are just filled with organic intelligence as opposed to all this chips and mm. wires and stuff. And it's something that most sci-fi writers probably haven't even really thought about, um, which is fascinating. We'd have these ships that were just full in the walls instead of having wires would be just pulsating <laughs> gross biomaterial that's actually computerizing everything so i think it's fascinating this is actually happening uh thoughts steven <laughs> um i for one welcome our new ship overlords <laughs> well the good part is is that it's uh, a lot of these like things like we, we reviewed uh terminator 3 not long ago it's always machines versus humans you know like matrix machines versus humans but we're literally making our computers out of our own bio biomaterial that are also going to be human. It's kind of like human DNA will be our computers. They wouldn't want to kill other humans. So I think it's almost safer. See, <laughs> no, I think, I think the opposite. Yeah. I think there's a higher chance of like sentience and stuff in organic biomatter oh, than there is in computers. So to, if anything, I think we are accelerating doomsday. <laughs> but they'll become sentient, but be like, oh, we're not going to kill all humans because we are also human. Like, I think that would be part of it. Like, we're a different or kind of human. we are better than humans. We're the ultimate So, yeah. Sir Connor, come with me. I'm mostly human. <laughs> so that's Oive or organic organoid intelligence. <laughs> I like that. Well, I think that takes us on to our main discussion of Sky High in honor of Shazam 2, talking about an unlikely child hero living up to impossible standards. And uh, that's what Sky High is all about. Our protagonist, Will Stronghold, is a seemingly normal teenager. He's worried about impressing his parents, going to high school, except Will is the son of two of the greatest superheroes of all time. He's headed to Sky High, a school in the clouds just for superhero kids. But there's one problem. Will hasn't gotten any powers yet. Oh. He kind of bluffs for a while, but then biffs his first day and ends up being assigned as a sidekick. He eventually has to break this news to his dad, who is very disappointed. The next day at school, he gets into a fight with a, a kind of a bad guy named War in Peace, Ugh. a pyro whose dad was a villain who uh, Will's father put away. But his prison. mom's a hero. Dad's a villain. Yeah. It's complicated. Uh, during the fight, Will's powers finally manifest. He lifts a table, throws Warren through a wall. He has super strength. And Will gets reassigned to the superhero classes, leaving his friends behind and gaining the attention of an upperclassman girl. He becomes sort of the classic high school jock jerk or starts following that path, 
ditching his friends and abandoning a girl who loves him. Meanwhile, a mysterious villain is plotting against Will behind the curtains. Will ends up throwing a party against his better judgment at his house while his parents are out of town, eventually taking the upperclassman girl down to his family's secret sanctum. Uh, Gwen, the upperclassman girl, tells off Will's female best friend. Will breaks off with breaks it off with her and says he's not going to the dance with the popular girl. Uh, and the next night is that homecoming dance. Will is punished for throwing the party, but he's not going to go anyway. He mulls around, uh, and he eventually ends up looking in his dad's yearbook, where he spots a girl who looks surprisingly like the upperclassman girl who was suddenly into him. How is that possible? He knows she must be up to something, and he heads to the school. The upperclassman is actually Royal Payne, whose terrible weapon, the pacifier, uh, back in the day, accidentally turned her into an infant. She was then raised by one of her henchmen, and now she plans to do the same to all the parents and teachers at the school. Will and the sidekicks must each use their special minor abilities to stop her dastardly plan after all the adults are turned into babies. (laughs) Will is eventually thrown from the building, but bam! He also has his mother's power of flight. Royal Payne and her henchmen are defeated. All the babies are turned back into their correct age. And Will learns what it really means to be a hero. <laughs> well done. And that is sky high. That is sky high. Um, so some things I liked. I think my first point in this is like, look at this cast. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Not only huge, but just tons, so many people. You've got uh, like the late great Kelly Preston. I I'd seen your notes and I'd forgotten that she had passed away. It's so sad. Yeah, like fifty seven. Oh, not too long ago cancer. either, like two or two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, Kurt Russell, uh, Michael uh, Angarano. I almost said that wrong. Who was like a prodigious child actor? Who's been in like he's got seventy credits to his name, and he's still a young guy. Um, Danielle Panabaker, who has since become really famous for the DC TV universe in shows like Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and Arrow. Yeah, she plays Frost. She's good. She's great. Kevin Heffernan uh, from the Drunken Lizard crew, uh, included in hits like Super Troopers and Beer Fest. Mm. Uh, Nicholas Braun, who's another young working actor who you'll recognize from something. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Stone Cold Fox, and major <laughs> Hollywood star now. Great actress, yeah. Uh, superhero superstar, Wonder Woman herself, Linda Carter. <laughs> plays a principal, yep. Cloris Leachman. <laughs> Jim Rash, who plays um, Royal Payne's henchman, wasn't anything at this time, but has now since become known as the Dean from Community. Yeah, he's hilarious. He is great. He's like one of the funniest parts of this movie. <laughs> uh, you have old school talent like Kids in the Hall alums, Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald. You have nerd royalty Bruce Campbell. The best. And then playing War and Peace, you have Steve Strait, who was a successful child and teen actor who has only gotten bigger with starring roles in shows like The Expanse. Okay, when I saw that, I was like, what is he talking about, The Expanse? Who do you play The Expanse? Because I love The Expanse. He's like the main guy. Oh, I know. And I I search his name like, that's why he looked familiar. He looks so different, but that's him. I can't believe it. (laughs) I could not believe it. Yeah, like this cast... It is kind of phenomenal. Like, it's amazing it who is. they got in this movie. And that was Steve Strait's first movie, apparently, was this movie. Really? And, yeah. Okay. And he, he just did. He's he's awesome in The Expanse. He's fantastic. Um, 
So yeah, I just there there's nothing to dislike about this cast. There's not a bad cast member. Even the minor characters are phenomenal. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from this was like I going into it, uh, Steve brought it up and I was like, "Well, I don't really want to watch a kids movie, but it is a perfect fit for Shazam, so that, that makes sense." And then I watched it and I was like, "This was just so lovely and fun." It just really yeah, was it's like just, a family. It really is a family movie. And it wasn't there wasn't anything cringy because 2005, it could have been there could have been plenty of cringy lines of dialogue that, you know, would get you canceled nowadays. But not in this movie. Everything was fine. It was just pleasant. It's predictable a little bit, but it was also just a really good time. And just people like the performances obviously were amazing because so many good comedic actors and regular actors are in this movie. Kurt Russell plays very different than his usual like. Serious, you know, intense action dude. That's true. He wasn't cool at all. He was kind of nerdy and it was it was fun. Um, And Kelly Preston was just a pleasant. I didn't like how they treated her as a mom. Like he was always going off and talk with his dad. Yeah. He never it, talked her, to her. Her authority was undermined on multiple. Yeah, multiple I didn't times, like that. That was certainly. seemed odd and out of place because other than that, everything felt just totally awesome and fun. But like, at, I love that part. After, mind you, that did lead to like one of my favorite comedic moments where Kurt Russell's like, all right. But if your mom asks, I took away your Xbox for a week. He goes, but dad, I don't have an Xbox. And he goes, don't you? And he turns around a chair and there's an Xbox. Here you go. Gift for his son because he got his powers. It was such a good moment. And I think if this movie was made today, um, the big thing would be that the kid never gets his powers, but he shows how he can be a hero without them. That would definitely be how they would change it if they did it today. Yeah, but I could see that. This was this was fun and predictable. And, and I don't know, but you still got that payoff, though, yeah. with the bus driver. Where like both of his parents were heroes, he didn't end up getting his powers, and in the end, he is the big hero. So even so, you still got that right. Big payoff. That particular payoff you do get because the bus driver say helps save the day, and he has no powers. And that, yeah, that was that's great. And then he gets falls into a uh, <laughs> at the end credits. Of so that. like he falls into toxic waste and gets powers. <laughs> he gets powers. Um, I did like the other thing I liked that it was like kind of a, cl- a classic high school story element tropes that you've seen played over and over again but take it in a different direction. You know, the kid living up to his parents' expectations. Like how many times have we seen in a teen movie, like the kid who didn't make the football team. Yeah. And his dad was the big football star. Um, the loser turned hero, like literally um, getting a taste of popularity and like the pitfalls that come with it. Uh, weight against literally saving the world, the individual talents of like the nerds ending up being exactly what they need. Yeah. To defeat the villain in the end. These are classic tropes that show up kind of all over the place, but they're done in a really kind of nice, fresh way, I think. And I think to go along with that, the yeah, like you're saying, a lot of the dialogue that could have, even though they're using tropes and these cliches, they the dialogue was not as predictable and it was fun and interesting and different. And all the quirky sidekick friends, uh, the loser kids, as they would be, they had their own little interesting quirks, like the the guy who glows he puts all his bravado up, but then he, he starts falling for the, the magenta girl. And so whenever she yeah. said something to him, he's like, Hey, you want to dance? He's like, no, he's like, yeah, neither do I. <laughs> and like, I was just so, it was really cute. You know, I had these little quirks and the nerdy kid who had, turns into a puddle. Like he was just, he had his own little personality and I don't know. It's just, they, they, like you said, they did it in a unique way, even though it was these same tropes, they, it was still fresh somehow. I don't know. I like this a lot more uh, than I should have. <laughs> right. Right. And this is, this is one of those movies where I've been looking for an uh, a reason for us to do it for a little while, <laughs> and it hadn't come up, and finally I was like, yes, finally, we found a reason to talk about this movie. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to say some honestly pretty good acting. Yeah. 
with specifically good performances, surprisingly from Kevin Heffernan, the guy who played the bus driver. Oh yeah. Um, and along with Jim Rash as the henchman, I thought was just the fun, like the funniest part of this entire movie was him. <laughs> and then Steve Strait, War and Peace, legitimately did a good job. Oh, absolutely! Like he had because he had a dimensional character too. He wasn't just bad, just good. And you see how he acted different outside of school. Like whenever they showed him at the restaurant where he works, he was more of just kind of like a regular guy. When he was, he kind of like put pull the guard down a little bit. So he had levels, and this being his first like movie. He absolutely did a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. If anything, Kurt Russell had maybe the worst acting, but not because he's a bad actor. We know he's not a bad actor, but I think because he was so outside of his comfort zone, he it just kind of struck me as like he's saying these lines in a very over the top stilted way <laughs> that was like, but it was still endearing somehow. I don't know, but it was. Well, and I think he was filling the role of like sort of this, he, this idol, idealized, um, like, ver- like a Superman. Yeah, and kind of like a lovable doofus almost at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then my final thing that I, I really genuinely thought this had going for it was it had a really good soundtrack. Like it, it was really well composed. Uh, when it wasn't, there were some hit songs throughout, but then the stuff that was original was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked it up, and the mic, the music was composed by Michael Giacchino. Giacchino, yeah. Who Giacchino? Yep. Is that right? Uh, who's composed tons of other stuff, Lots including stuff. Lost, Up, Super 8, Star Trek Into Darkness, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Inside Out, Jurassic World, Doctor Strange, Rogue One, Coco, Jojo Rabbit, The Batman, <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder, and last but not least, Muppet Wizard of Oz. I can't believe you did Muppet Wizard of Oz. I didn't know that. Oh, my God. It took so – I was like, what? No, please, no. That had been one of his first because that's in the 90s, wasn't it? Or late Yeah, 90s? it was early. It was early. Wow. Um, but yeah, some genuinely good music throughout. Yeah, and the music as well, they they did have a lot of 80s music. And I think it was on purpose to kind of mirror that 80s high school movie kind of thing. The the Absolutely. Uh, what's that Absolutely. director's name who made all those 80s high school movies? I can't remember. Uh, John Hughes. John Hughes, yeah. It was, that's why they had to hark back with that. A lot of 80s movie, uh, music in it. But they were like most of them were covers too, so they were like even updated versions of those songs. That's true. So even that was kind of like a nice nostalgia factor built in. And speaking of nostalgia, that's another thing I, I was telling Jolie I liked about this movie was it, it was almost like watching Buffy episodes back in the day because the 2005 outfits. I'm like, oh my god, I saw all those outfits in high school. <laughs> like it just kind of came washing over me like this is like a time capsule of me being in high school <laughs> oh yeah most definitely we graduated high school in 2004 <laughs> this movie was 2005 so we literally were like starting our first year of college this is like right in that sweet spot so the movie would have been too young for us to watch at the time but this is literally the when we were in high school pretty much it's crazy <laughs> one thing was kind of weird throughout is they used the logo as like a transition and that was strange. I didn't necessarily like that very much. No, well, I sort about- of thought of it. Yeah, I sort of thought of it as um, almost like the old Batman show where like the <laughs> bat thing would and it would fill the screen and pull back out and you'd be in a new shot. I didn't think of that. I, You're right. They probably were hearkening back to that. That's true. I thought of it as homage. Whether it was pulled off well or not is a different thing. But I think that's what they were going for. And I, I bet since Warner Brothers was already giving them slack about um, they originally wanted uh, Linda Carter to be wearing um, bracelets that had a power and Warner Brothers said you can't do that we own the rights to Wonder Woman so they probably didn't want to do the exact same twirly effect 
and but they had to do something, sure. but they still want to harken back to it. So I think you're right. That's probably what they were doing. I just didn't think of it at the time because it wasn't close enough. But yeah, um, I I love that. Well, the other thing I didn't like so much is that it's weird that the parents somehow didn't know he didn't have superpowers all the way up to this point. <laughs> that was kind of get the withholder yeah, disbelief. They, they showed him like how he's been faking it. But it would have to go so far beyond that. I know. That was the only part where I'm like, okay, that's a little hard to, to swallow. But okay, I'll, I'll go with it. Because as soon as he had powers, he was like ripping doors off of stuff. And yeah, they would like, know. <laughs> yeah, they would know. And I think Bruce Campbell was fantastic as the um, the gym coach slash guy who sorts you in your house, basically, from Harry Potter yeah. reference. Um, sidekick. Sidekick. And he had this sonic boom voice. He's just great at everything he does. I love Bruce Campbell so much. Um, and it, really weird. I even put down the timestamp around forty nine ten in the movie. Uh, Will is sitting next to Grayson. Um, Which Grayson, one's Grayson? Not Grayson. Gwen. Sorry. I think she's Gwen okay. Grayson. Yeah, she's Gwen Grayson. Okay, it references go, uh, Gwen Stacy and then um, Grayson, the um, Robin from Batman. Um, but he's definitely green screened in in that particular shot. It's really weird. <laughs> I think I would never have noticed it if not for me watching it on the the big screen um, outside. We just bought this new TV that has like the high definition crap and everything. And it's so weird because he's not positioned exactly correctly in the green screen. So he's sitting right next to her, but she's kind of looking over and not exactly meeting his eyes, his eye line. And he looks just slightly off out of place and he should be inside of her basically by the where he's sitting. It's very off, up, upsetting if you go back and watch it. It's very strange. Um, so they must have had to go back and put him in because he wasn't available. And I, how I cemented this in the very next shot, he's walking down the hall. His hair is shorter. So I'm like, oh, they definitely had to film that later. <laughs> it's really weird. So if you want, I want to, I want to see this. Said forty nine ten. Forty nine ten. I I have to see this. It's Let me see. very odd. <laughs> huh? You're right. Isn't that weird? <laughs> they combine the shots. I bet you they were trying to cut down on time and they had that shot between him and Warren, but they needed to establish that it was going on when he was sitting with the cool kids. Yeah. He totally doesn't quite fit next to her. It looks very strange. And I was like, Oh, and then in the next shot, you're right. He's got shorter hair. (laughs) Yeah. That's weird. I just happened to notice that. (laughs) You're absolutely right. (laughs) But they did a good enough job back then. I think people wouldn't have noticed because it was a pretty quick scene. So it's just, oh, yeah. it was just, I happened to notice that. Um, but yeah, I mean, last little thing I was, I love the, um, just the cheesy over the top funness of this movie. You have the cheerleader doppelganger villain. Um, she's doing her routine and, you know, as multiple versions of herself as she's advancing upon the tree girl to attack her. I, I keep forgetting that whatever that girl's name was, the character, the tree yeah. girl. But it's just, it was, it was fun though. It's like she's doing a high school thing as a high school girl would but still being a villain. And I was like, this is just really well done. It was just really fun. A good romp. So it's a recommend for me. Oh yeah. Well, now I've got a, uh, a secret bit. Ooh. And I'm going to call this bit, the mamas and the papas. <laughs> Perfect. So I, you're going to pick some numbers and I've got six male superheroes and six female superheroes. And we're going to pair them up. And you got to tell me what powers their kids would have with a bonus point for what that what that superhero name would be. Wait, so I'm just making shit up or it's, it's a real one. Yeah, this is this is an improv game. Oh, OK. <laughs> so what they're 
So you're going to be two superheroes say what their yeah. kid's name would be and their power. What their power would be is like the one with a bonus point for a good oh, name. Okay. Gotcha. 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 All right. So uh, pick one through six. Four. Okay. And pick one through six again. One. Okay. Well, let's say Cyclops and Wonder Woman got it on. Okay. What would their kid's power be? Uh, Wonderclops is the name of the person first. <laughs> Bonus point. <laughs> and the power is, it's really unfortunate. <laughs> she has to wear special underwear because the, the, the eye beam comes out of her vagina. <laughs> <laughs> But it's also how she flies. But she destroys everything under her path as she's blowing up into the air through her eye. She beam. spends a fortune on pants. Absolutely, just a fortune on pants. All right. Well, Wonder Clops is the, is the winner. All right. Uh, give me another one through one through six. Keeping in mind that four is out of commission. I'll have to update you as we go. Two. Okay, and then give me another one through six. I'll go with two again. All right. That is Wolverine. And Captain Marvel. Wolverine and Captain Marvel. Um, hmm. Okay. So their power is um, constant cosmic energy radiating out of their body. Okay. Um, at all times. And like, the, the, like their bones are encased in it? Well, the problem is it's radiating out of their core and it's constantly melting their own skin. But Ooh. since they have the power of Wolverine, their skin is constantly High regenerating. Exactly. Oh my god! So they're kind of horrendous, <laughs> and they're called Royal Pain. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you win this one, you coy bastard! All right, uh, one through six, two and four are off the table. All right, let's do six. Six, and give me one through six. One and two are off the table. Um, blue six. All right. Gambit and mystique. <laughs> uh, okay. Gambit and mystique. Okay. Yeah. This is a, this is, this is a weird one. <laughs> admittedly. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so, oh shit. <laughs> okay. I got it. I got it. Okay. 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 Uh, her, their name, I like good names first. So, it, it, okay. his name is Bayou Blue. Bayou Blue. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. I'm with you. And uh, and the thing is, um, all he all he can do, he can't change shape. He's just always in the blue form, like his mom. Okay. But yeah. then his hair, the red hair, it's it's a, it has the 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 power like the cards did. So he pulls out his car his hair and he shoots it at you like a dart. <laughs> So is his hair attached to him? He's literally pulling out yeah. pieces of his own hair. He's got to literally pull it out. But then it becomes an energy dart when he pulls it out of his head and he can shoot it. So at he's you. constantly like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm by blue. I'm by blue. I'm Bill Patter Baldus at a young age. I pulled, my my hair out. I pulled all my hair out. <laughs> by you blue. Uh, all right. Uh, one, three or five. Uh, three. Three. All right. And uh, three, four, or five? Uh, four. So that is Thor 
Oh, and Domino mm. from Deadpool. Deadpool 2. Okay, okay. Um, well, we know that Thor lives in space. It's true, he does. And Domino is very lucky. Yep. So they named their kid Lucky Stars. <laughs> lucky, oh my God, that is so good. <laughs> that is perfect. And Lucky Stars has a very unique power. Uh, so instead of, you know, getting a hammer or, you know, just ha- relying on her luck, wherever she is, it has to be nighttime. She can reach up and call a star to herself and it becomes an energy orb in her hand. But when she throws nice. it, it explodes with the power of that actual star. And she also destroyed that star in the process. So it affects wow. entire gas. She's very powerful. Combining See, that amount thinking- of luck with that with Thor's power, it's incredible. See, I, I was thinking, like, if Thor, you know, is the god of lightning and, like, getting struck by lightning is, like, one in a million, the, domi- the, do- the domino kid is just constantly getting struck by lightning <laughs> through probability. All right. Well, next time we play this game, we got to do it where all their powers are terrible. <laughs> just terrible. Because some of these are terrible, but some of them are actually pretty good. Uh, all right. Uh, one and five are your remainder for the mail. We'll do five. Five, all right. And three and five for the female. Well, three. All right. That is Spider-Man okay. and Storm. Mm. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Spider-Man, Storm. Mm. Oh, I got it, I think. Hold on. It's coming to me. Tell me about it. Tell me. Um. Oh, shit. It's almost there. Um. Oh, okay. Bear with me. I'm I'm here. Weak joints, McGee. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason for it. Okay, it's, so, that's no less original than Lady Stilt Man. So I think we're still true. in good shape. <laughs> Polka dot man. Um. <laughs> so why he's weak joints, McGee? This has been seventy years later. Finally, his power comes in. His parents are long dead, Storm Man and Spider-Man. He just assumed he never got any superpowers. He's living his life. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a, a storm comes coming in. And he goes, boing! And all of his joints hurt because his joints can sense when the storm is happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's his spider sense. Exactly. He can just feel when there's weather rolling in. <laughs> exactly. Ah, it's a nice storm coming. <laughs> no, I can't move from my chair. But when all of his joints are achy because he can sense the storm coming in, they send us neuro signals up to his brain that actually tell him exactly what kind of storm front it is. And so he becomes a very successful 80 year old meteorologist. Right. He's like Bunks Tony Phil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Your final combination. <laughs> Green Lantern and Rogue. Oh, and Rogue's this all This one about- actually seems kind of potent. Yeah, she steals powers, right? That's what she does. Yeah. Hmm. Green Lantern and Rogue. Hmm. Oh, I've got it. Tell me. Okay. Um. Okay, so they call her. It's all in with with dashes, so it's all kind of one little name. Green with envy. So, because she's imbued with this power of the Lantern Force. And she's also had the power of her mom of stealing powers. It gets mutated and she 
lusts after all the power of the universe. And because she has the power Ooh. to do so much continuously, she becomes a super villain. And she goes around. I was about to say, this is going super villain oh, territory, yeah. certainly. She sucks the power out of every galaxy she can find. So the whole Lantern Corps has to try to power up against her. It's, it's a whole comic book arc. It goes on for years. Green with envy. And they think that 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 they defeat her, but really she just recedes into the core of a planet. Oh, yeah. It comes, comes back, back to haunt them millennia again. Millennia later. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. No, that's perfect. That's I'd perfect. read these comics. I'd do it. I know. <laughs> All right, and that's the mamas and the papas. That was a fun one. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Hi, recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, for today's Radical Recommends, um, I'm recommending a thing I ran into on Netflix. It was like the night of my birthday, and Jolie's like, go stay up late, do what you want to do, watch something on Netflix. I know there's stuff you want to watch without me. And I just looked up a bunch of random horror films on Netflix that were kind of trending. And I actually looked them up on, on rotten tomatoes to see if any of them were actually any good. And I found a lot of stinkers that I didn't watch. And then I saw fear street 1994 was recommended. I'd heard of it and it had high reviews on rotten tomatoes. So I checked it out and apparently it was a trilogy because the first one was 2019. And then in fear street, 1979 and fear street, 1666, both came out in 2021 during the pandemic. Um, and it's a trilogy, and it's really fun. A lot of actors you might recognize. It has uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter from Stranger Things is in the first one. Um, it's And it follows a story throughout all three films. And they're, they're all going back further in time to figure out how this series of killings, why it originated, why it's happening in this town, and they're really fun. It's all teens, um, some adult actors as well, but the main cast is kind of like younger people, but it's it's a lot of fun. Very nostalgic if you were around in the early 90s, uh, late 70s, or if you were around in the 1600s, <laughs> you'll, you'll really enjoy it. <laughs> Have you heard about this, Steve, at all? Yeah, we watched it when it first came out. Oh, the first one or all three? All three. They hmm. came out, I think, like maybe a month apart from each other or something. In the yeah, 40s. in 2021, I think they filmed them back to back kind of thing. Um, um, but yeah, like we watched the first one and then it was like, come back in three weeks for fear street part two. Yeah. And Netflix even does it like play next episode, even though they're actual full length movies, it's pretty fun. Like you can just watch them like they're each episode, but they're full length movies. Um, speaking of community, um, what's her face from community, um, is in it. Oh my God. What the hell's her name? Is it Allison Bre No, the other one. Um, <laughs> uh, no, yeah. J Jillian, play Brenna, uh, Jillian, Jillian yeah. Jacobs. Is that it? Yeah, I think it's Yeah, there it. we go. There we go. Shut up, Brenna, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was her name. Um, but yeah, she was good in that, too. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth watching. I enjoy it a lot. Um, sounds like you guys did, too, if you watched all three. Yeah, there were, I think, like any series like that, there were ones that we enjoyed more than the others. Right. Um, but I, I did like that each one of them kind of played on different horror-era tropes. Yeah. So you get the one that's like in the mall generation. Uh, you get the 70s summer camp one, and then you get like the ancient evil one. So you get a little bit of taste of everything in this one series. And it's one of those things where each one kind of lends perspective to the others. And they do harken back and flashback and, and stuff. Cr creates a nice overarching story. And so in that regard, it's one of the few, I guess, kind of horror trilogies where it's like really worth it to watch all of them. 
Yeah. And kind of like as quick in succession as you can, because there's a lot of things to remember. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really well made and I, I didn't see who made them, but I want to go back and kind of look and see what the director was and they'll probably have good, you know, futures going forward because it's definitely very interesting. Um, but yeah, check it out. But now it's time for some trailer reviews. All right, this week on trailer view reviews, uh, in the long line of classic horror films being remade, I chose Children of the Corn. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, this is I always forget this is Stephen King. It was based, oh, yeah. based off of like a short by him. I don't even think it's a full book. Book, but the the classic movie is a town full of kids who are like start religiously following someone who they think is God among the corn. They kill their parents and take over a small town. Don't all their and hairs two, turn white in the originals too? Like for some reason? No, that's, um, that's village of the damned, which oh. came out at a similar time frame, but it's a different. Movie. You're right. You're right. Um, and two like wayward travelers happen to stop through and get caught up in this crazy nonsense. And was it, was it Christopher uh, Reeve or was it uh, Donald Sutherland? That was in one of them. One of those things. Neither. But I'm thinking of different movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christopher Reeve was in Village of the Dam. I keep thinking of Village of I the Dam. Thank. <laughs> more creepy kids. Um, but uh, yeah, more creepy kids. Definitely in the same vein. Hell, they may even, we could probably even consider the, them copycat movies. Do you know who starred in the original Children of the Corn? Linda Hamilton. <laughs> okay. There you go. So the- That sounds right. Right back to our Terminator episode. Um, so I, I think I've been pleasantly surprised by some of the remakey kind of stuff that's come out in the last couple of years. If anything, I feel like they've done they've had more success with horror than any other genre mm-hmm. in this. Like we're gonna revamp something that's not that old. Yeah, compared to like Disney films and such. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I'm hoping this is going to be good because the original one is such is such a kitschy horror oddity almost where like you're not sure what it is. And then it ends up being a creature feature. Um, so I'm hoping this follows that same vein. I really do. As far as I did see part of a review of this film already and it, they said it wasn't it was very unnecessary. And why did they do this? But I will say this trailer really did it for me. It's a very well-made trailer. They had a vintage retro style voiceover on it, which is pretty cool. Like this could have been like an eighties movie trailer. It was really funny. Um, but also like you see this little girl as probably the lead main actress who seems fantastic. And I wonder how much the movie like stems on her for success because she's like throughout this whole trailer and she looks so young to be acting in a horror film this well. Um, so she probably carries a lot of the film. Um, but it looks different than the other ones. It looks like a fun watch. And yeah, actually, I'll probably check it out on Netflix late one night if it pops up there. But I'm not going to watch it in theaters, of course. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'm going to pay any money for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not any extra money that we're paying for a subscription to something. Um, but yeah. yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this movie uh, one Gary Busey uh, hanging on like a scarecrow pole. <laughs> He's like, it's my new job. I'm watching the cord. <laughs> And Raul Julia is just nowhere to be seen. He wants nothing to do with us. <laughs> I'm going to have uh, Raul Julia sleeping in his bed in his like sleeping cap and everything. Um, and <laughs> in walks in through the door. The door creaks open slowly. 
And Raul Julia looks up. Who's there? And he sees the silhouette of like almost like a child. But he turns the light on and it's Gary Busey on his knees dressed up as like one of the munchkin from Wizard of Oz. And he's mm-hmm. licking a I'm big lollipop, but it's not a lollipop. It's a cob of corn. And he's like, I love corn. And he's like, that's not how you eat corn, Gary. <laughs> now I like to lick off the butter. <laughs> that's my rating for this. Uh, All right, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Fair. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the episode. End of episode 167 of A Play on Nerds. And uh, we're coming back next time with a uh, review of a great Great classic film, Dungeons and Dragons, because the new I don't Dungeons even know why they're doing the new one. Yeah. The old one was so good. So we're going to play off that uh, popularity of this new film and hope that this new one does well, because the last one, dear God, but we're going to watch it so you don't have to or watch it and review it with us when you uh, when you see the we watch it again. It has That's Damon right. Wayne's, I think. And um, oh, it's going to be great. Jeremy, Jeremy Irons, Irons, Thor Birch, man, it's. Yeah, it's going to be something to get into. Uh, Come on back for that and keep on coming back to be our nerdy audience. And we will keep on coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?